Welcome back to the Dewhawk Dozen podcast, where each month the Young Alumni Advisory Board nominates one stellar graduate of the last decade to interview and to share their story. Regardless of where they're from or where they are now, their time at Loras connects them all. Let's Let's do do this. this. Back to the Dewhawk Dozen podcast, where the Loris Young Alumni Advisory Board spotlights a young graduate. My name is Neil Bingham, and joining us today, we have 2013 grad Daniel Toll. Welcome, Daniel. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. The uh, the last radio or podcast interview I did was with Bishop Johnson, former professor at Loris, and he had to keep cutting me off because my answers were too long and I talked too much. So hopefully, you don't have to do that to me today. <laughs> Hey, but you know, we don't have any sort of interruptions coming up. So if they're long, good answers, I'm not going to be the one to interrupt you. <laughs> All right. So Daniel, you were selected as our Duhawk Dozen for October for your work in education since graduating from Morris. You truly embody our dispositions, but your nominator said active learner stood out most when nominating you. They also said that Daniel is one of the greatest leaders I've ever worked with. He is thoughtful, brave, kind, and cares about his students above all else. He's always thinking, innovating, and making a student's experience better. He is dedicated. He is a dedicated father and loving husband. He loves his faith and lives it fully. So congrats, because it sounds like you're doing a lot of great, great things out there in the community, a lot of great things at home, um, and representing Dolores name well. Well, I certainly owe that person some favors. Uh, a lot of that is what <laughs> I aspire to do, and I definitely fall short, but I, I really appreciate that. So, you know, just starting at like the very, very beginning here, the Loris College experience, how did you choose Loris? And when did you know along that college search how it was the right fit? Yeah, I grew up in Dyersville. Um, and actually, later into high, high school, I really loved going to the eight o'clock mass. And I admired Father Haugen. And I just loved the atmosphere that the eight o'clock mass had. So that became kind of my, my first uh, exposure to Loris. And I had good friends who, who attended Loris. Uh, like Christy Oberding and Drew Chapman, and they were loving their experience. Um, but there are really three main components of Loris that made me choose it. I would say uh, the first one was that it was a Catholic school. And the second one, I could just sense the strong community. And then I wanted to be a math major. Um, and it came down to a couple different schools, but the other one down the road didn't have a math major. So uh, I chose uh, Loris. So it's really cool, Daniel, that you're looking at these kind of three different aspects of your college search process. And I don't know if it's at the the front end that you realize this or now at the back end that it's kind of coming back around. But with number one being the Catholic component of the college experience, I also know you were very involved with the Breitbach Catholic thinkers and leaders. How did that shape your college experience throughout your four years? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um Father Wathier was really the the head of that program during my time at Loris, and he quickly became uh, not just a role model of mine, but he he became pretty much a, you know I would say like a hero of mine on on how to teach well in a way that really empowers learners to think deeply um, and not to be afraid of you know ever failing or considering things outside the box. Uh, one of the mottos of that program is that what you have received as gift, you must give as gift. And that comes back to me 
at different times, just to remind me that none of these gifts and talents and skills that I have developed are mine. They are God's and uh, I have them for a reason. And it is my job to do whatever I can to give them back to God, to give them back to the earth. Um, and I'll be damned if I take any of them to the grave. So it has been really, really influential on me. It taught me a lot about the church. It taught me how to think critically about the church and in doing so helped me to develop a, an authentic faith that could withstand the turmoils of life. That's awesome. And and one of those key takeaways early on that you said with Father Wathier was he taught you how to teach well. What do you take from that experience uh, from Father Wathier, from the Breitbach Catholic thinkers and leaders? And how do you implement that into your daily you know, role within the confines of a school? Yeah, so we were a bunch of little ignorant 18, 19, 20-year-olds, <laughs> uh, you know, being forced to consider things like atheism and uh, Flannery O'Connor's writings, pretty heady stuff in the presence of a priest who said mass to Mother Teresa. I mean, this guy is like the most interesting man in the world. And he never made us feel lesser than, you know, we could give the most ridiculous answer. And he refused to say no. He refused to, to say we were wrong because we were just thinking and we were just processing this life and what he was teaching us. You know, if we gave a really bad answer, he'd be like, yeah, or... <laughs> And then he would steer us in a proper direction. I just always felt validated being in his presence while he really challenged us to write the best we could, to think the best we could. So it was a it was a mix uh, that he really developed a perfection. And I would say, yeah, that's you know I think there's a lot of a lot of different ways to look at the leadership that you've had in your experience, and then the, how you carry that into your own style of leadership with uh, the impact of Father Wathier, other people, other faculty and staff at Loris you've transitioned from the classroom where you've taken and implemented some of these things about teaching. And now you're on the administrative side of education. How did Loris and then the people that you interacted with through that experience really help you grow as a leader specifically within the realm of education? Yeah, I think one person that I really owe a shout out to here because she, um, she did so much for the last decade of my life is Dr. Hillary Welsh. Uh, I actually dropped education my junior year of college. I was just having a bad experience with my practicum experiences, wasn't really connecting with, uh, you know, the classes. I just, I was like, this is just not working for me. So I took business classes, which I actually loved and have some ideas of my future on how I'm going to implement those. But after my junior year, I just couldn't figure out how to apply my math major into the business world. I was getting turned down for internships because I didn't have a business major. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I thought math majors were transcendent. Um, so I was kind of stuck. And I was like, you know, I'll give education one more shot. And that was the year that Dr. Welsh got onto campus. Um, and this was perfect timing. She took a personal interest in helping stoke that fire in me, which I had. It just wasn't burning. Um, so I credit much of this past decade to her continuing to push me towards becoming a teacher, and I couldn't be more grateful for that. And then ultimately, I've always known, you know, ever since I wanted to be a teacher when I was a kid, I knew that I was born to just kind of challenge boundaries, challenge status quo. Uh, I feel most comfortable making decisions, I would say. Um, if I get frustrated, I want to do something about it. And that inclination has led me towards this uh, passion for leadership in many different areas. 
So I always knew that I wanted to be a principal because I have things that I want schools to do. And I felt like I could most deeply impact society through education at the leadership level, even though I think teachers have the most important jobs in the school um, and they make the most direct impact, which I do miss. Uh, a lot of a lot of my strengths could be applied at the administrative level. You know, one one thing that I really I think really sticks out to me is that that stoking of the fire. You know, you had that fire was there, but you just needed someone to stoke it. What advice do you have for any sort of current students or prospective students that are struggling to decide on their major, aren't sure that they're in the right major or process of, you know, discerning what that right next step is for them in terms of how they can make sure that they're doing everything in their possible realm of ability <laughs> to make sure that they're taking those right steps. Not to put all that pressure on you right now, but, but just some general advice for students that might be in that position. Yeah, and it's crazy that we expect 19, 20-year-olds to figure out what they want to do for the next, you know, I used to say the rest of their lives, but really that's just not how the world works anymore. We, we, you have the opportunity to reset. Um, I'll give more uh, overarching advice because I think that is the proper advice. I'm actually currently taking a, a course and one thing that I recently learned that I think is extremely true but I never thought of is that if you wanna be successful in the business realm, you need to work even harder on yourself than you do on your business. Um, because once you once you spend time thinking about like the law of attraction and perspective and having diverse knowledge, it makes a lot of sense. So if I'm a if I'm an upcoming graduate, I'm thinking about, oh gosh, what is it that I want to do? I should probably be thinking more about who is it that I am. I need to practice that introspection, that self-evaluation, that mindfulness. Um, because ultimately, before we figure out what we want to do, we have to figure out why God created us with a life that he created us to live and we are unique and so is our vocation. So there really isn't necessarily perhaps one thing out there that you're supposed to do. It's figure out who you are so that you can apply your understanding of yourself to different opportunities out there and kind of create your own path. But you can't do it if you're just looking at a menu of things to do. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck, maybe perhaps lacking some introspection. I know I would have benefited that from that earlier on too. So with this introspection and the uh, the looking into who is it that you are, we talked a little bit about the classroom side with the Bright Black Catholic Thinkers and Leaders, but you're also like wildly involved outside of just those two realms, which are already pretty time intensive. Student athlete, student union president, involved in campus ministry and choir, the Loris prayer, players and wrote for the Lorian. Do you remember any sort of profound moments of introspection from one of those extracurricular activities that you really hit, thought like, wow, this is it. Like, this is all a part of me becoming who I am and, and learning more about myself outside of just the classroom experience. Yeah, you did your research. Um, yeah, I, I did a lot. Um, and I often thought, what the heck am I doing? I'm a math major and I am writing a, a column for the Lorian and I am doing this and I'm, it was nuts. Um, but that is how I live my life. I don't let anybody or anybody's expectations dictate uh, what I'm supposed to do. Um, I don't think oh, this is a path that's paved for me. I should just go do that. I'm always trying to figure out, again, going back to the beginning of this, how to maximize the gifts and talents that I've received and work to develop so that I can give them back. Um, 
I learned a lot as the student body president on figuring out because you know, I was student body president when I was 22 years old. And then five years later, I was a high school principal. So there were some direct experiences I had as that, that actually went straight to my career leadership. Um, and it was all about how to properly try to delegate, how to work with peers, how to lead your own peers. Um, because most of the people I lead are, you know, older than me. Um, so it's all about having that humble approach to leadership, which I think that job gave me a lot of good experience and that's awesome and we've also focused a lot on like the mentor side of things and your your profound experiences there i know you had a shout out to some impactful dewhawks i know you also work pretty closely um with josh Geert, uh graduate from the class of 2014 outside of your typical day job you're working a lot with woodworking um for top grain crafting how has that mm -hmm. kind of shaped, where did that come from? And how has that been an experience for you for kind of a nice creative outlet? Well, I think that's 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 absolutely it. Um, we both have our own day jobs that kind of make the money for us, um, but we're having some fun with this side hobby. Uh, we both have this charism or this, you know, we call it a gift of the spirit of creativity. Uh, we exhibit it in different ways. Um, and we're just really good friends. We grew up together. Um, so I know that he has good skills that he's developed and I, uh, you know, have developed some skills and I just have a passion for woodworking. My job is very stressful and I get to turn that off when I am just cutting wood. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's almost like a retreat for me. Um, and it, again, it's just like, well, I have this ability. I'm passionate about it. I should do something about it. It's just always my life motto. It's, it just keeps coming back to me, um, because I don't want to leave anything hanging out there. Do you have a specific project that you've done that you're most proud of, or that like at least you would like look back at as like that's the one, like that is the project that I've worked on so far? Um, I mean, our cornhole boards are pretty sweet right now. I just got to say, uh, we're focusing on cornhole boards, and they are pretty slick. Josh is a talented graphic designer. Um, I would say I've built some dog food stands that were pretty sweet because I used to carve those uh, names out by hand on a little scroll saw and that took hours. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't do sophisticated woodworking, but basically it all started with my wife saying, hey, I want to buy this. And then me being me, I was like, we're not buying that. I, 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 can just build, I can build that for a third of the price. And then, well, I don't like to make empty promises. So then I just go figure out how to build it. And then I just started selling those items. That's awesome. With tailgate season, I mean, it's perfect time for cornhole. So I'm right. sure there's yeah. there's no shortage of need there. <laughs> Speaking of tailgate, you know, you're 10 years post Loris here um, as we shape up for, um, you know, 10 years out. How have you seen Loris impact in your life a decade after graduation, which is wild to think about? Um, any profound moments of like Dewhawks supporting Dewhawks that you've seen since graduation? Um, any moments or major milestones in your life personally that you've really been impacted impacted by your fellow Dewhawks? Um, yeah, you called me a young alumni at the beginning of this, and that was refreshing because a decade uh, feels like a long time. So I, I feel no longer like a young alumni. Um, I think it's just in general, you know, I've stayed in Iowa post-graduation, but it's always been refreshing to hear the Duhok pride when I enter a new community. Uh, hopefully this is the last new community I'll move to, uh, but I've been to four already in my career and everywhere I've been, the Loris connection is a beautiful one. Um, I just think the value of a Loris degree 
it includes the strong community that exists out there because I don't know that I know a Duhawk graduate who's not proud of being a Duhawk. So there is just something special about that community that you you can't really articulate on unless you experience it. Um, you know, there are there are quite a bit of Duhawks who have positively impacted me. Uh, I obviously owe Nick Satterley a shout out um, because when you interviewed him on the Duhawk Dozen, he gave me an undeserved shout out. So, uh, you know, as goofy as a guy as he is, uh, he uh, is super deserving of any recognition he gets. And I look up to him in terms of faith, leadership, integrity. He's just a genuine dude. Um, I loved getting to work next to him when I took my first principal job. And then there are some other people that, you know, might fly under the radar that I could give a shout out to. Tim Durr, we grew up together, graduated from Loris together, lived together for a while until he went to the Peace Corps. Um, and then he went to grad school at Notre Dame and got a couple of degrees there and is now working uh, in the nonprofit uh, realm in, in D.C. So he's just doing what he felt called to do at all times. And again, I just admire people who do that. Um, actually, my brother, Luke, and his wife, Samantha, are both Loris grads two years ahead of me. Um, and what they overcame to finish in the top tier of their graduating class uh, is just astonishing to me. And their career success, along with raising a beautiful family, has has just been an inspiration to me to show that like, no matter how hard I work, I know that my brother outworked me by a ton. <laughs> so I never felt like, you know, I never felt like I should get complacent because someone out there, my own brother, was working was working harder than I was to make it where he has in life. So that's just been inspiring to me. Um, you know, I've called out a couple of professors already already in Wathier and Welsh, but I loved my math faculty. They were in a, just a phenomenal department of people, um, many of them who are still there. And they helped instill that passion in me. They were great teachers. And ultimately, that helped springboard me into my own success. Now, I don't know if you like had this written out and did this on purpose, but um, you kind of walked step by step through your three reasons for choosing Loris in what you've seen in your 10 years since Loris. You touched on, you know, your Catholic faith a little bit and some of the, the faith based ins inspiration you've seen from others. You talked about the community and then wrapping up with the math faculty. It's interesting to see that that was your your proactive reason for choosing Loris. And now 10 years later, that mirrors in your reflection on it. So I just think that's really that's really awesome that that has really stuck with through the whole time. I could lie and say I tried that, but that would counteract what I was talking <laughs> about being a genuine person. So I did not try that, but it is, it's, it's uh, reassuring for you to hear that in my own answers and that what I wanted Loris to produce for me, because it those three criteria were very specific in my mind as a senior in high school. I knew why I chose Loris. And it's really assuring that you're telling me my answers mean that Loris did its job, which is good. Awesome. So I just have one final question for you. You know, as as you're wrapping up here, you're 10 years out, you're still a graduate of last decade, even if, if you think you might be on the fringes there. What piece of advice do you have for young Duhawks who are either starting their career or at, or just at some point less than 10 years into their career? Um, there's this one piece of advice that I got when I was 27. Um, I had taught for four years and I was uh, offered the principal job at Columbus High School in Waterloo. 
And I actually went to that interview just to get practice. I didn't, I was like, I'm a math teacher. They'll never hire me, but I'm going to go get some practice for administrative positions so that I can get hired somewhere as an AP. That was my thought process. Um, I even remember what I wore that day because it had nothing to do with the school, but I was like, whatever, it's just practice. Um, <laughs> just terrible color scheme. Uh, and then they offered me the job and I was just like, okay, I don't know how to process this. Am I ready? Am I not? What happens if I don't do well? I can't fail, you know? So I called my dad and he's like, um, you're 27 years old. <laughs> you're too young to fail. What's the worst thing that could happen? You don't do well. Okay. <laughs> you're 28. <laughs> and, and I think we make things out to be bigger than they are, but what's important to, to realize, and the reason I've had success early on in my life so far is that I've continued to just look at things short term and through prayer, through introspection, through knowing myself and my strengths and my passions, what's the next right step? That's it. All you can do is just think about what's the next right step because your life will change after you take that step and then you'll have to reevaluate. But you, a five-year plan is almost foolish. We should have goals and we should have big rocks on how we want to get there but we should be able to change those. Just do the next right thing um, and continue to progress on your own path and to continue to evaluate. And I still think I'm 32. I still think I'm too young to fail almost. You know, I have a family that I look out for financially, but I have no problem taking risks. And, you know, these days I'm, you know, this last move I made was a family first decision that brought us back to Dubuque. Um, but it just comes down to, again, what if that didn't go well? That's okay. There's more out there. So Never make something out to be bigger than it is. Look at yourself figuring out, okay, how does this next step I can take bring me closer to my dreams on earth? Because I got one life to live. Let's just do it and let's see how it goes. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's great advice that we can all live by <laughs> and all take with us into all that we do. So thank you very much for sharing that. And thanks again, Daniel, just for being on the show with us today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And hopefully I was able to give something of value. And for our listeners, don't forget to mark your calendars for the 12th of every month, where we will be introducing the newest member of our Duhawk cousin. Thanks to Dolores College Young Alumni Advisory Board for sponsoring this podcast, and we'll see you next month.